Yeah, baby. Wonder if all my bad decisions get accounted in the algorithms. No statistician could dissuade me from my bigger vision. I know my occupation's quite an unlikely place in this world to occupy and talk about upon a daily basis. Our information's predetermined by some biased business. We all insert the silicon that push out lovely neighbors. I'm done with paper chasing, think I'm on the bigger banquets. This that full circle, new wave, energy on a Tuesday. Turn a blue day to a bright hue, yellow with a smooth A in here, extra fruit the brain. You can't move me. The music is made. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Welcome back to another podcast, another live stream. Whatever. I mean, at, at this point, like whatever it is, right? I mean, like it, it kind of the lines have started to blur just a little bit because, like, I brought the live stream back to YouTube, and so it's like I know there's a whole YouTube segment of you guys that just watch it on YouTube, but then there's a whole segment of the podcast people that it is weird. You podcast people, God love you. You are weird. That like you only listen on podcast form, and it's like you don't venture over to the YouTube because I think it's because I'm so ugly that you don't want to look at my face. <laughs> that is a very good possibility about what's going on, but. No, we're here tonight. We uh, we got a very special guest. I'm very excited to uh, to get to talk to him. And that is Mr. Okay, how do you say your last name? Because I because I don't want to mess it up. To be honest with you, because I've been saying it like four or five different ways. But like, how do you actually say your last name, Joe? It's La uh-huh. La Barbara. Yeah. Okay, well that's easy. I was I was thinking it was La Barbara, but I guess I was totally wrong. You know. When I was a kid, like I'm an '80s baby, like I got a lot of telemarketer phone calls that were Mr. La Barbera. How can I help? Or you know that kind of stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then, and then I looked at it, and I was like La Brea. No, I was like those are tar pits out in California. It's like I know it's not that. I know it's not that. <laughs> but no, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we're we're joined by Mr. Joe. I'm just gonna call you Joe because again, you know, I don't want to mess with the last name. But buddy. I, I I can't do a good job of introducing you. I'm gonna let yourself introduce you and and, and kind of tell everybody like who are you and like what do you do and like why are you really cool? Well, oh geez, I don't know about really cool. I think that's up for debate. Um, but uh, so first and foremost, I'm a competitive angler that lives in the Northeast U.S. I live in the very last five miles of northeast pa um really close to the finger lakes i grew up fishing the finger lakes um you know i called cayuga lake home for like 25 years <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know i got into like regional angling and like 2017 i think i fished my first bfl i fished a couple club tournaments and wednesday nighters in 2016 out of a tin rig and then i just like all of a sudden, after like a year of fishing Wednesday nighters, I'm like, I'm going to fish BFLs. And then a couple of years later, I started fishing the opens. And kind of along the way, I, uh, I just met a lot of people. I run social media for like a couple brands in the industry. I design rods for a company. And things just continued like snowballing and rolling. And um, back in April, I was able to quit my job and run social media and kind of start a production company um, with the help of a tackle store on Oneida Lake that I work with. And we've just kind of like continued trying to be like a marketing and production company while I fish the opens and consult for brands. And I don't know, I don't really think I'm anybody. I think I was just kind of like this guy with a dream who was working 40 or 50 out pretty more like 50 hours a week at his full-time job and you know staying up all night trying to make things work as an angler and you know just kind of always talk to a lot of people tried to keep like 
a good uh, head on my shoulders in terms of always listening and learning. And, you know, it's all kind of just been snowballed into now it's my full-time gig and I wear a lot of hats, but I, I mean, you and I were just talking before we went live. Like I wake up in the morning whenever I want to wake up or whenever kind of business dictates. And I just want to scream from the top of a mountain. Like I have the best life ever. You know, <laughs> That's awesome, dude. It, for everybody that's listening, you can't see the smile on my face, but I love, I love to hear that. I love to hear the, the entrepreneurial spirit. Like that, that that's, I think what drew drew me to you is like, I, I was actually listening to serious angler and I was kind of listening to, it was, uh, I forgot what episode was. I think they titled it like you fell in Lake St. Clair or something. I don't know. Yeah. That story later. <laughs> I want to get into that. Um, but, um, it's, it's like, you're like, that's like Bert Cratcher's the machine. That's your story. Yeah, <laughs> I fell yeah it is. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, I was listening to that and just your, your attitude towards the industry and your attitude towards, like how you do you and like your business and everything about that. Like, I love that. Cause I'm right there with you. Like, I love that entrepreneurial spirit, that kind of level minded. I'm going to, you know, take risk, but I'm take calculated risk and I'm going to do things that other people may never do, but I'm going to do it in a way that's super smart. And I don't know. I just, I, I love that attitude, dude. That's it's balling. For sure. Like, so I'll be 37 next month. I, I didn't, even fish my first tournament till I was like 29 and it was like a Wednesday nighter. Um, so, I mean, I was like a full fledged adult when I decided I didn't want to be like a weekend angler anymore. I wanted to like have a role in the industry and I wasn't really sure what I wanted that to be. Like basically before you get into the industry, most people's goal is like, I want to fish professionally, right? Like that's kind of just like what's on their mind. Like, Oh, I want to fish Bassmaster classic or, Oh, I want to fish on this tour or that tour, or I want to be a guide or, you know, like that's a lot of people's goal initially before they ever like get a sponsor. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so like I goals have changed and have continued to like morph and evolve as, as I've learned this industry and, and like probably not even learn 10% of it. But like, as I've learned stuff about it, I've kind of adapted, you know, what my goals are and, and what I believe my place in this industry could be. And mm-hmm. it's all just kind of like, you have to be very fluid and loose and, and ready to just, you know, attack the day with a smile on your face. And it, it's hard. Like I have date. don't get me wrong. Like I have periods of certain days where I might have an hour where I'm like, son of a gun like Uh things just aren't going the way that i want or maybe the economy isn't padding people's you know brands marketing budgets the way that i wish i had a place to be in with this brand or that brand or you know like or maybe this brand that you love and feel like you're super passionate about maybe they aren't seeing your value yet and like that kind of stuff happens but at the same time like even if you take a header off the dock in French Creek on the St. Lawrence, you still have to pick your head back up, dry off and like keep going after it. And yep. I mean, like I can vividly tell you that there are brands that I work with today that when I first approached them in 2000 and uh, 2018 at the Bassmaster Classic, yep. there are guys that I work with every single day. Um, some of my biggest sponsors, the guy that I approached to give him my like media packet and my like resume and application, like kind of scoffed at me and like 
Yep. It, I, and that, like, I knew I was going to work with that brand one day. And like, I've told him the story too. I'm like, dude, you know, that actually like would have turned a lot of people in their like early twenties away. Yeah. And that did nothing but motivate me. Yeah. But it's almost like a pissed off. It's like, it's like you just pissed me off to the point where I'm going to work even harder just to mm -hmm. prove you wrong. Like, yes, yes. And, and like, that was just because like, what I think really sprung that was like, I was, I already had a career. Like you had a career when you stopped teaching, like I had a career and I loved my career. But I wanted so deeply I knew I couldn't live doing that career forever. Like my soul would yep. not have been happy. Yep. And I, I knew uh, I'm going to prove this guy wrong because I know I'm capable yep. and I don't care if you're one of the biggest brands in fishing, I'm going to work with you guys. Like exactly. you'll see. Yeah, exactly. No, I did. I love that. I love that attitude. Cause that was me. I mean, that would that, you know, I remember first year I ever went to ICAST and I think it was like 16, 17 around there. I mean, dude, we got laughed at. Like literally I had a guy physically in my face, laugh at me and tell me, he said, good luck with your self absorbed adventure. That's what he told me. He said, good luck with your self absorbed adventure. And I was like, all right, then I was like, I remember that. I'll definitely remember that. And I was like, yep. and it wasn't, you know, three years later, that same guy was working for a different company. And wanted to be my best friend. Oh, Alex, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> da, 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 da. And I was like, yeah, man, that whole self-absorbed adventure is like really kind of worked out for me. But yeah, dude, no, nah, that's that's legit, dude. I love it. I, lo I love I love that spirit. I love that attitude. And that's like what I really took away. I was listening to that podcast earlier, actually making the thumbnail for this. And I was like, man, that's legit. Like, I love that. I love that spirit. I love that attitude. I just love to see people with that kind of drive because... I think like in the world we live in is as quickly as it's passing by and as crazy as it is, it's like I'm seeing more and more people start to realize like, Hey, life is way too short not to just try something, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, whatever your passion is. Like, you know, my wife follows some girl on TikTok that does plants and like the girl like quit her job to do like plant and Instagram TikTok, like it's our TikTok and Instagram on, around plants in like, it's crazy, right? That's like a crazy thing to think. But here we are talking about little green fish and we get to do the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's just, I don't know, the world that we live in and just like my mindset on that. Like I love to hear other people who have that mindset because it's hard to find them sometimes. You know what I mean? Especially in like the normal run of the mill. There's Ben. He's ugly. Go ahead. Yeah. What's up? Yo, buddy. How's it going, man? Living Actually, dream, uh, dude. Alex told me what was going on tonight and I'm like, man, I want to be on that thing. So. We're on the Sweet, phone dude. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you two northerners can just go, hey, dear, hold there. How you doing there? Eagle right. <laughs> brown fish there. I tell you what. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, I got to got, listen. You got them where you live, too. Shut up. Oh, yeah. Oh, I do. They have, they have like the real southerners. So, I mean, they're worse than the northerners. Dude, hey, let me tell you something about these smallmouth down here. And then we got to get into TikTok, damn it. I'm telling you, I want to talk to about TikTok. Um, so, like, these fish down here, I swear they're a completely different breed. Like, not a different breed. They're a different species. Like, you know how you have, like, northern largemouth and, and like, Florida strains? I swear, man, like, these fish, like, the one in the thumbnail of this of this, uh, this live stream is one that I caught in Michigan. Dude, you catch a you catch a smallmouth down here that is built like that, and I can promise you the damn thing is going to weigh 10, 11 pounds because they're, like, I catch four and five pounders that are 22, 23 I mean, 25 inches long. There was actually a 25 incher 
put on the board in a kayak in our monthly kayak tournament this month. And I think the fish weighed like four and a half pounds. It was 25 inches long. Caleb posted a picture yeah. the other day where you caught like a 22 or 23 incher and it was like almost four pounds, like just about four pounds. Cause Nathan and I sent the picture back and forth and we're like, man, if they got that fish up here. So he got a 22 and a half, I think maybe up here. And it was over six. It was like six and a quarter. Yep. Like down there, it's a different, different breed. Those fish are just so skinny. Yeah. I think too, like I, I've always thought the like Southern Smallies truly reminded me of like your true river. Oh, yeah. right like yeah like i mean it's the tennessee river but i i believe like a lot of those smallmouth ended up like coming from those river systems and that's how they kind of got their way into those surrounding bodies of water too is yeah. somebody took those genetics and transplanted it to those bodies of water because <laughs> like if you look at that uh susquehanna river fish that nolan minor won with Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I grew up on the banks of the Susky, like those, those fish look like those Tennessee river smallies and, and even like some of those Texas and Alabama small, like that's what they look like. And so I've always kind of thought that you have that more river oriented genetic versus the more like lakes and reservoir I wonder like, true if it's, northern genetics i wonder if it's where they have okay this is like weird but it may have something to it is where they have less water over their head and their body just grows it adapts to the water depth in a different way because i've caught like river smallmouth here in tennessee that literally are living in like i don't know how their backs aren't sticking out of the water that's how shallow they live and it's yeah. like i've noticed that about spots too like these river spots and these creek spots are 17 inches long, but they're about that tall. Like there's little bitty, like long strung out smallmouth, and it, it, they have plenty of food and they're eating. They got big old guts on them, but it's like their yeah. body literally is, is almost forming. It's kind of like a fish in a fish tank. Like they tell you there's certain fish that will get as big as the fish tank that you put it in. And so it's like, I wonder just if that kind of lifestyle almost makes their body adapt that way. I agree. I, I think over hundreds of years, the lifestyle that these fish live, they've that's how they've evolved and they've adapted to those environments in that way. Yeah. What about like Niagara River fish? What do those fish look like? Are they skinny? Are they skinny well, than lake fish? Now you'd want to rewind like to pre Gobi and and those fish are would be longer. I mean, and dude, you can like where we are which uh, like i mean i fish at the mouth of the saint lawrence like ontario like clayton you know where the elites launched out of the last two years yeah i mean dude you can go 20 miles and like you can be five miles into the lake or 15 miles up the river and you can tell like dude i can take those fish out of my live well if i catch fish in the lake and in the river in the same derb you can take them out of your live well and you can sometimes tell the difference like i mean like that Hmm. they're shaped that much different well so we have goby oriented like inland bodies of water that'll be like right next to lakes that don't have gobies in them yet and the wow. fish are totally different like you have these really long narrow bait fish feeding smallmouth and then you have goby fish and they're like the same length but the goby fish is a lot taller and thicker and the tail isn't quite as like fanned out right you get that big yeah. fan tail versus yeah those- i think bait fish feeders that i think some of the maybe not the tail but some of that body shape too 
Like Gobi's true. Like a lot of people, I don't think understand this. I'm sure you guys do, but for like some of our listeners, I'll tell them like Gobi's are the reason these fish get so big so fast is because, okay. So I just fished with Sarah Parvin down on her slab lab pond. Right. And what she's feeding those fish is something that is really rich in amino acids and super high in protein. And it's helping them grow like bodybuilders trying to grow their muscles. Well, gobies are doing the same thing that bodybuilders are doing with massive amounts of protein and, and dietary supplements, the same thing Sarah's doing. And so many people who raise their own like private pond fish, they're feeding them a healthy diet to help them grow and be as healthy as possible. That's what gobies are doing to these smallies uh-huh. is it's, they're uh-huh. so rich in amino acids and protein that these fish, I mean, dude, a, a five-year-old fish in Lake Ontario compared to a five-year-old fish in, I don't know, like, uh, say, uh, like, Cazenovia is close to Oneida. And there, I don't think there's any gobies in Caz. I mean, dude, I mean, we're talking about two times the size in five years. That's how big and rich goby diets are, you know? I mean, so it's just like, it's the like liver king of, of smallmouth when they're eating the gobies. It's just over here, just training and test and everything else. And they're just jacks swimming around down there eating. Well, so the other thing I think you're starting to see, and and I have a podcast we're going to film on Monday talking about. Oh, nice um, plug. That was smooth. What's well, yeah, I got, I got to plug it. One Anyways, more one more time. What's your podcast called? Yeah, so we got a Bass and Bourbon podcast. We're going to film on Monday. When's it release? What days? On Thursdays at 6 a.m. We have two episodes out from the 2023 year so far. But anyways, no, <laughs> we're going to be talking about, like, the difference in these size class fish that you're seeing a smallmouth, right? So you're seeing a lot bigger smallmouth being weighed in, obviously, out from out west. But also, like, around here over the past five to ten years like the growth in these fish is crazy but i think you're finally starting to see like mature goby feeding class fish especially maybe not where you guys are at like you you guys have sort of already seen it or starting to have already seen it like we're just getting the gobies in here on lake michigan obviously has a big population but like our fish are finally reaching maturity having grown up from like a Mm -hmm. very young age with gobies So you yeah. see or six sevens and yeah. some some places and seven and a half eights. Yeah, uh, we're gonna you're gonna we as fishermen are gonna continue to see a very quick evolution. That that dietary change is. I mean, Rudd wasn't being like like he wasn't exaggerating no, when he I'm compared not. it to like taking HGH and stuff. Yeah, like it's means. really. It's that it that rich diet really changes things so much, and you do it for half a decade or a decade in a body of water. And I mean, dude, I like we've known Cayuga was going to break the state record for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, the the guy that caught it has broken the state record weeks before the season has started many times. It just wasn't legal, like because you can't box and and legally weigh a fish outside the season. But like now that our winters and springs are kind of getting pushed back, it was obvious this was going to happen. Like, I mean, honestly, if I was two or three or four years further along in my career to where I was fishing full time, 
I mean, I, I, I would have been trying to. And and I may try to take a, a few falls and chase the because like Cayuga doesn't freeze all the way across. Um, like it's like 600 feet deep in the middle. Like we may try to chase these fish for a few springs, especially if we know we have like high water or a late thaw, like there will be a contingent of people trying to break it there again. Um, and the odds and the odds of doing it, if you feel like you're chasing them good on Cayuga, you know how to chase those fish too. As soon as you feel like that window is closed for you on Cayuga, you drive drive an hour and 15 minutes north and you just go try to chase it at Henderson for the first week of the year. Okay. So I got you know, a question just, just on that kind of thought process. And, and we've seen, uh, you know, here in Tennessee record cold, like we've never seen before this year. And that, and then we saw like record highs the next week. All right, yeah. so like it literally went from like <laughs> negative fifteen to eighty, like in in four days. So obviously something is going on with the climate. The climate is changing in a way where we're having warmer, you know, warmer falls, warmer winters. Do you think that the growing period or the the growth period of like those big northern smallmouth are being extended? Some do you think that's also playing into it, or do you just think it's just? These fish are literally swimming around eating protein balls and fat like constantly. I, I it, see it, it's it's a tough a tough thing to analyze. Like I wish we had like Pangarak on right now. He's because he's like the king of the numbers. Like mm-hmm. he's Mister Analyze Everything. To me, it feels like even though spring is happening later it feels like fall is lasting so much longer. Right. And that's their, like everybody knows in the fall, you put the feedback on, right. Mm -hmm. It feels like to me, them having that longer extended period to eat a healthy diet. And then maybe their metabolism doesn't drop so low that they become hugely inactive as long. Cause it definitely feels like ice fishing season is shorter I mean, I have to believe there's a lot of truth to that. I haven't like sat down and analyzed is winter truly shorter, but it sure freaking feels like it. And mm-hmm. if that, if it really is all signs point to, you'd be, you'd be correct in that assumption. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And then, and then on the other hand, I read an article the other day from a scientist who said we're going into another mini ice age. So who knows what the hell's going to happen? I mean, hell, I mean, here in four years, you, we could be having a totally different conversation. Joe's like, well, I've not gone outside in six months and I'm not seeing the sun. (laughs) It's like we had to buy buy vitamin D supplements and sun lamps so that we can get vitamin D. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I had to film more podcasts to sit in these lights, you know, that's it. That's it. That's great. All right. So listen, boys, I got, I got to get this out here because I've gone down a rabbit hole lately and this has nothing to do with fishing. It has everything to do with TikTok. Y'all got TikTok. Ben, you got TikTok. Joe, you got TikTok, right? Okay. Listen, TikTok live is the greatest. If you want to just laugh your ass off, it is the greatest thing on planet earth. Okay. So me and Be- me and Bethany, my wife are sitting up there before the live stream starts and we're just scrolling TikTok. We hit a live stream from prison, okay? Three inmates <laughs> on TikTok in prison, like full-blown prison. We hit a group of women who, oh, I hate to be mean, but one looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame, and they have fake babies, like these 
but the babies look very, very, very real. Like to the point where like it freaks you out for a minute because this one had a fake like chimpanzee baby who I thought, I thought she had a real chimpanzee baby. And then, and then like the next, then the next one after that is like a 80 year old woman with like big fake tits. And she's like sitting there dancing back and forth on the live. Listen, y'all TikTok's out of hand. All right, like, I want to understand how the hell are these prisoners getting these, I mean, smartphones with internet on them and have the ability to do TikTok in prison. There is one thing for certain about guys in prison who have phones and that are doing TikTok, and that is the fact that those phones need batteries. And I'll tell you what else needs batteries. That is your boat or your kayak. If you have graphs on your boat, if you've got a trolling motor, if you've got rafters on the back, if you've got a small graph on your kayak, if you've got a motor on your kayak, you have to have batteries to run all those things. And with all the demands that all these new pieces of tech that we're putting on our boats and putting our kayaks put out and the demands that they need to keep going, you got to have good batteries. And if you're looking for good batteries, if you're looking to repower your boat or you've just got something new and you're looking for the battery that's going to be able to help you stay on the water longer and get where you need to go you need to check out x2 power batteries from lithium to agm they have got you covered in pretty much every aspect that you can think about in every application that you can think about that you may need in your boat or in your kayak in my kayak I'm running a little 60 amp hour lithium battery, super light, but it gives me all the power that I need to run my small hummingbird graph on my kayak. But then if you go into my boat, I'm running three 27 series AGM batteries in my boat that powers my Raptors, my 360, both my graphs. It still has all the power that it needs to start my boat up even after 12, 13 hours on the water. So if you're looking for batteries, if you're looking to power your boat, repower your boat, power your kayak, whatever it is, go to a local batteries place near you walk in and ask about x2 batteries because that's where you're going to find them or you can go online to x2powerbatteries.com and you can check out the whole lineup from lithium to agm and uh without further ado we're going to discuss prisoners doing tiktoks which is really really strange so i saw that's funny that that was the first story you told i saw dudes live in prison like like hibachi style, <laughs> like you want sweet carrot? <laughs> yeah, it was like the Emerald Lagasse, like Mario Batali of like prison hibachi. I was like, what is going on? I love that. It was wild. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I should have followed the account to really like see uh, what they were up to, like yeah. on a regular. Yeah. I, but I was, I was just like so mind blown at the time. I mean, I can, I can hear. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation now. dude i follow this guy named chad on tiktok oh yeah tell me about chad he's a he's in prison oh yeah what do you do he killed like three people but man he's the whole bocce chef you should see his ass go just yep yep it was and like because you i mean we see like in movies and stuff guys like the engineering that it takes these guys to like come up with how to make a tattoo gun and stuff when he showed me like like because I wire my own boat when he show when he was showing where he was getting the power to heat up the one like step on the like to the stairs to the second dorm of you know a more like prison cells they were they were frying on this like like graded stair step when he showed how he hooked up electricity to it I was like 
That is a fire hazard. Like, <laughs> that that's is, like some that ingenuity, a, dude. I am hazard. so into it. That's amazing. It's yeah. also like an electric shock chair. One guy steps on that thing when it's yeah. electricity running through it. Oh, God. No, the one that freaks me out the most, though, is the women with the fake babies. Because, like, these, dude, it's sad. Okay, it's what really it? like, sad. What are they doing? Uh, they're just, like, sitting there talking to each other about their fake baby. But you guys got to realize, like, these are, like, anatomically correct. Like, these babies look, like, real. Like, they could come to life and just, like, Rah! like, like, it's really, really freaky. <laughs> like, hey, I do that. I do. Like, it's it's so weird. And, like, but they do. They, like, cry so and they blink. for a long time. Oh, dude, I got, I got drawn in on this one. Because <laughs> this one lady's got, like, an eye down here and an eye up here, and she's, like, sitting there with her fake chimpanzee, and it's just a lot. It was it was just, like, it's called a reborn doll. Okay, hold on. Bethany just texted me, and she's like, look up reborn doll. Hold on a second. And I'll show you guys these things. <laughs> I got to see, too. This is freaking... Now, here's the thing, though. Oh, like, these are so go, weird. If you want to go live and get a lot of people... So, I went live the other night just tying a couple hair jigs. And you'll get, like, 2,000 people in there just randomly. That's weird. Oh, yeah. That's... If if it's your if it's a platform you want to grow, like, by taking advantage of any of the tools that they have, like... Okay, look at that, these that's freaky platform. things. Oh, my God. This is going to freak me out, Look dude. at these things. Look at yeah, that. that. That looks real. Bro. Yes. And that's what they're sitting there with. Like it's, and it's like a bunch of women and they're like sitting there with the, I mean, look at this one. He's got a little, <laughs> he's got a little cock and balls and everything. <laughs> dude, you gotta, your live stream is done. Oh, I don't care. I mean, but like, dude, and like, look at him painting them. Oh, like that's, a, that isn't, that is a doll. Like that's weird. That's in these that's women. Look, here's one of the monkey ones. Look at the little monkey. Like, and they're sitting there with these dolls. And I mean, like these women, these poor women are just not like, I'm trying not to be mean, but it's, it's a lot. Like it's, they're not, you can tell they're not right. You know what I mean? Like whatever the not right is, they're not, they're not there. And it's like, dude, TikTok's a dude, lot. Dude, TikTok is the wild west. Oh, the 100% wild west of social media. I've seen a guy kill himself on there, blow his brains out. I'm scrolling TikTok one day, sucks starts a nine millimeter, blows his brains out. And I'm just like, dude, okay. Here's the deal. Okay. Alex, it comes back to like what you're watching on there and interacting with. <laughs> oh, my yeah, TikTok. Dude, dude, listen, my TikTok is broke just like I am. Okay. <laughs> It is mentally unstable and broke, just like me. It is rough. Like, Bethany, I'll be scrolling TikTok. She'll, like, hey, what do you, like, she'll, you know, roll over and, like, we're laying in bed. She'll lay on my chest. I start scrolling TikTok, and she's like, what What have you been watching? Like, what? Is, what is this? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's TikTok. And it's, like, guitar stuff, fishing stuff, woman with her boobs out for some reason, man yep. shooting people, <laughs> Ukraine war. Like, like I had, I got went down this one rabbit hole one day and it was nothing but like footage from the Ukraine war of people just like killing the shit out of each other. And I'm just like, okay, that's what my TikTok is today. And that's what we're going with. Okay. It's so, it's so funny. Like all of my social media pages, all I get, are like DJs who are like mixing music because I'm constantly looking for music to make reels to. So like all of mine are like, you know, hippie chick DJing, Asian dude DJing, like 
you know, gangster DJing, white boy with half his head shaved. It's all that because all I'm ever looking for is like the next beat to like make a freaking reel to. I love it. I love and, it. And it's and, like, and they're and like, like, and they're like mixing together like Alan Jackson and like you know a cannibal corpse, and you're just like, okay, well yeah. that works, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and now like there's this huge shift to like stuff like that where it's like country mixed with everything and then there's this huge like let let's take like 90s and early 2000s like hip hop and let's mix it with like 70s music. I love it. And like I'm it. having to like sift through this because like I run I think like five Instagram Instagram pages yeah. so it's like I got to find stuff for everybody. Yeah, like yeah. I'm trying to make stuff for, for me and the tackle shop and like, and Oh my God, it's like, I need, I need more music than you. I don't actually get to like use social media for like anything truly like pleasurable. Yeah, like yeah. it's always like, it's like work, 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 work. Yeah. They throw in boobies, work, work, work. Cause <laughs> they're trying to yeah. suck you in, you know, like yeah. work, 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 work. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, Oh my gosh. And it's crazy. That's funny. Never ends. That's funny. Yeah. I got, that was with me with like, when I did that first, that first reel with the Indian where I set the hook and you, ah, ah, ah. well, mm-hmm. I got that from a gaming dude on TikTok. Well, now yeah. I follow like 12 gaming dudes on TikTok. And like, you, oh, yeah. I'll just be scrolling TikTok. And Bethany finally is to the point, anybody around me really, they're like, okay, you're going to have to stop. Because it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, side in and it's like, oh, spank me, daddy. Oh, my God. And it's just like, okay, that's enough. That's We've had way too much of that, okay? It's so, like, it's fun, though. I'm not going to lie, like. I could be doing worse things for work in December and January, you know? <laughs> 1,000%. All right. I got something else. I found this interesting. This is actually a conversation I was having with Bailey and Deacon on the Serious Anglers thing a couple of weeks ago that we did for 2023 and end of the year. And I found this interesting. And, uh, Joe, I think you'll have an opinion on this. Ben, I don't know. Maybe. Um, we don't really care about Ben's opinion anyway because uh, he's leaving. Bye. Um so I'm interested by this idea. Like we got to okay, let me kind of lay out the scenario. Professional bass fishing is one of the only professional sports where you like still like pay entry fees to and like you don't just get paid to show up, right? It's like what it is. But I found it interesting and Deacon kind of said that like if you really look at it, that like most of these fishing organizations are like barely making it. Okay. But like I know Knoxville, the city of Knoxville, paid bass like uh, well over a million dollars just to show up to do the classic here. And then you've got all these other companies that are also paying them to have sponsorship representation. Like, I want to know, like, is it like how much money? And I would love it if you know anybody, Joe, or if anybody in the comment section or anybody that wants to send me somebody's contact at like Bass or MLF, like I'll have Boyd Duckett on the podcast and ask him this question. But like, are they really just barely cutting it by, or like, are they making money? Like, they have to be making money to keep the lights on in the place, or does do they just really have so many employees and so much overhead and so much stuff that they, they literally are barely cutting it by at the end of the year? Um, I choose to believe, and and I, I have one giant, well, two, one small and one giant piece of supporting information that that I'm just going to ride like I do 
in you know, a lot of things. And I'm yeah. like, I don't want to be told otherwise. Yeah, and I love it's it. not because it's because I don't want my mind blown. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I, I, I don't really want to know the answer. <laughs> Anybody says anything else, but, la, 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 you're not talking. <laughs> exactly. Right. It, I'm exactly like that. its employees and it has really good employees Mm -hmm. and the reason one of the reasons that i can say that with so much confidence is because i work with a lot of brands right Mm -hmm. and and i've i've said goodbye to a a number of brands too and and one of the reasons that i found to be a trend with some of the brands that i haven't continued to work with um is lot of people doing the job that they're qualified to do they're forced and i think this happens not just in the fishing industry everywhere in every industry mm-hmm. um where people get forced to move up a position because nobody in our country truly wants to work right yeah. you have guys like you and me who who got, who were probably needed to stay in the careers that we needed to be in <laughs> to truly like because we were bringing the average up Absolutely. and I'm not saying that arrogantly, like no. I, you and I have had conversations about how passionately we did our previous jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I believe I, I did a pretty darn good job at my last one. I had colleagues that I know were not doing a good job yeah. Yeah, and getting yeah. paid very similarly. Yeah. So my point is a lot of us get moved up to positions that we might not be qualified for, I think Bass has very qualified, experienced, great employees working for them. And, mm-hmm. and that's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Or they wouldn't stick around. And I don't think Bass has a very high turnover. People who work there, I I am always hearing have double digits in years of their career there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a small piece of supporting information that I believe plays into it. The other big thing is it costs a lot for Bass to put this professional sport on a television stage like they don't we'll never have coca-cola money we'll never have mcdonald's money we'll never have those big 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 endorsement dollars flooding into our sport because let's be honest a football game is about as long as someone's willing to sit in front of the television Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and our sport starts at sunrise and goes until the middle of the afternoon and then weigh in is it quick. Yeah. Like we just don't have we're not in a sport that is truly going to grab a ton of people's attention. So why would a giant brand like McDonald's or Coca-Cola or Pepsi or you know these massive brands with massive marketing budgets why would they invest in us chasing fish around? And we're not I mean, dude, we can be spread out over 90 miles on a fishing surface, like <coughs> guys fishing <coughs> way up in Messina or Waddington versus guys fishing at the mouth of Lake Ontario. Like we, Toledo Bend is like 175,000 acres. Yeah, like yeah. these bodies of waters are, are, that we fish on are massive. It's so hard for the general public to understand we're never going to see that big time money come in. And this isn't like, let me just, let me just add this in quick. I actually like, so I, I spent some time traveling with Pangarak and, and that group that qualified two of their four. Um, I got to stay with them last year 
um, at the Chesapeake. And, and a lot of what I have gained in terms of an understanding of this is why we don't have big money. This is kind of Hallman speaking. This is really Bradley Hallman's opinion, but I, I believe it to be so true. This is why we're always going to be a, like, we're at, why I'm always going to have to explain to people what a professional fisherman is like, yeah. why they're always be 35 different definitions of what a professional angler is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, we're never going to see that kind of money just like, or we'd have to find a different way to compete on the final day. Yeah. Um, like we'd have to have like, uh, almost like five, like four hour shootout where they let us launch from any boat launch, you know, and we're going to start the clock on go and we're going to like catch wave release the top, like eight on the final day or, the top four and we're going to start from zero and, and that's all that we're, we're going to have to find a way to be more television presentable mm-hmm. or we're always going to kind of be like this. And, and I, I agree with Hallman. I, I think he's, I think he's kind of got the nail hit on the head is if we don't find another way, it, we're always going to be poor. Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of how it's going to be. It's the, the, the nature of our business. I just find, I just find it interesting. And that's kind of, I was like, I, that's, and that was an excellent explanation. And honestly, it's like, I don't have an opinion on it yet because I'm still trying to kind of figure out like what the logistics of it actually is. Because it's like when you hear the city of Knoxville, so I have, a, it's a two pronged problem for me. Number one, who the, who the, who the hell had said that they could spend my tax money on that? That's a whole nother problem. That's a podcast for another time that is going to happen. I'm actually having that okay. guy on here soon. So that's going to be fun. But number two, it's like, okay, so we've spent, uh, let's say $1.7 million, you know, like where's $1.7 million go? Like I would love to know, then see the breakdown of like, okay, we have now handed bass $1.7 million. Like, are we going to see what's the ROI on 1.7? You know, because like when, okay, let me say this. UT has a football game. It's mm-hmm. UT Volunteers. It's the University mm-hmm. of Tennessee. 115,000 people. There'll showed. probably be a Sweet 16 game while we're down there, I right? Mean, like, seriously, yeah. And then last and then, time we were there, UT won a Sweet 16 game, I think the same day as day one of the Classic in 2018. Yeah. And so something, and then, then we have the University of Tennessee basketball. We have all this thing, all this mm-hmm. stuff. When UT plays football, the city of Knoxville makes like $15 million a game or something like that. I mean, it's stupid. And it's, so yeah. it's like when you spend 1.7 on Bass, do we see an ROI that's effective? And then what is Bass doing with that money? Because, you know, like the payouts aren't getting any bigger. You know, there's still $100,000, $200,000, $300,000. I mean, how much you win when you win the Classic? Three hundred grand. Is it? I, I thought it was two. Yeah, you're right. It's probably three. Okay, two, three hundred grand, and it's like, but like out of all that money that they've made, I guess it's just a wash at the end of the year because they, like you said, there's not a, a giant turnover in the company. They are paying their employees very well, and then the factor that you said that I didn't take into consideration is we are paying to be put on TV. Like we have to kind of like oh, yeah. pay for our spot. Whereas, like, NFL football walks in, dick a-swinging, and they're just like, we want Monday, Thursday, Sunday. We want every single ad, and there's nothing you can do to change it. And the TV, you know, stations are like, yes, yes, our ratings. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, Bass, they're like, so a couple hundred thousand people going to tune into this, huh? And they're like, yep. Like, for, like, how long? Oh, probably all year. And they're like, 
oh, yeah, that's going to cost you $6 million. And Bass is like, okay, well, we got to go find our $6 million just to pay for that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and well, I'll say this too, like, follow uh the bass pro tour um but i would imagine they can't possibly be doing as good as bass or some of the news that comes out about uh like you know like when they had to go back to like paying entry fees and stuff like Mm -hmm. they there wouldn't be trending in that direction um they were doing what i think bass is doing too is I, i think bass is doing a really good job of building uh building their brand continually and adding to their brand and by that i kind of mean a lot goes into to keeping their their image in the public eye like they they do a lot to like promote their anglers too um their anglers as individuals um, you know, a lot still goes into the written, the written word, uh, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, we, you and I, as content creators, I think that's still, I mean, I guess people are still reading the magazine and stuff. It's legacy but, media. It's dead. Like I'll go, yeah, uh, listen, TV, radio and written word is dead. I don't care what you say about it. It's, it's gone. Like, and it's going to be, it, it, my my philosophy is if the NFL signs the deal with YouTube to have the exclusive rights to all that, it's it's we're done. Like it's dead forever. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I, I think it's dying. Yeah. I don't think it's dead. And and I think it'll still be old souls for another fifteen years or so, but it's definitely dying quickly. Yeah. Um but again, those they're both just opinions, yours and mine. But like I really kind of got sidetracked. I really think that Big Bass does a lot to, to continue to build for future years. I think I think other organizations are kind of living year by year. Um, you know, like there's like five or six other pretty major organizations. You've got MLF, you've got MPFL, you've got the Wild West Trail, you've got ABT. I think a lot of those organizations are living kind of year to year um whereas i I think bass could take some kind of a financial hit and probably survive longer than the others i I really think they've put enough back into the anglers and i think they've kind of built something that a little longer shelf life i don't i mean i don't know if it's three years that they could really go without getting you know, good contracts with cities like Knoxville, but they could go for a little while. I think, I think they they're building something that's a, you know, a little, a little bit harder to knock down, I guess. It's hmm. interesting. I think we need to take a different approach as like a bass fishing community as a whole, or if you like, you want it to be a professional sport, there has to be a revamp of what professional Stripping bass fishing is. On the front deck. Like you have to have, one, a product that you can sell on television because mm-hmm. you can't tell me that people won't sit there and watch eight hours because they do it with golf. And then mm-hmm. the next thing is like, you have to just have like a, a premier group right now. Everyone's divided between like five different major leagues and then money's divided and there's no watchable way to like in, really enjoy the sport with the exception of like live, which they put on TV and is, is a pretty good product. But the problem is, 
we have money coming into the sport. Like think of all the money, right? Whether it's in boats, baits, rods, I mean, all of this stuff that golf has a very similar, I mean, I, 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 I've been trying to think about it. Golf has to have a very similar input as far as like financial, like sales, right? So where, where's the money going? Because I just don't quite get like why we have a professional tier. We're just not structured, right? Well, I think golf racing, especially I don't, the brands that are like, look at TaylorMade Callaway Titleist, or you go to racing, look at Chevrolet, or if you're looking at Indy, look at Ferrari and Aston Martin. Aren't those brands putting an astronomical amount of money back into the competitive organization? Like, aren't they yeah. putting it into NASCAR and the PGA and Indy? And aren't they, you know, F1, like, aren't they putting all this so, money back? I don't think but, these but brands ski, are putting back the money. You want to know why? Here's what, here's my opinion on why on that point. Cause this is a great point, Joe is because these companies know that 90 Let's say 99%. Because if we look at all the anglers, or let's just say people who fish, of all the things that are bought and sold, let's say just sold at all Tackle Warehouse, Walmart, anywhere you can go buy fishing stuff, 99% of that is being sold to the normal run-of-the-mill person. The normal run-of-the-mill person. I'm sure if you're anything like me, that is what you consider yourself. You are a normal person working a normal job, just trying to make your way in life. And, you know, one thing that you don't want to do in this life is overpay for things. I hate overpaying for things. I hate having things that I don't really need or paying for things that I don't really need. And one of those things is insurance. You know, insurance is one of those things that can really help you out in a bad situation, but they can also be a thing that you just overpay for. And so if you're looking to revamp your insurance needs, whether it be health, home, car, boat, whatever it is, you need to give Matt Phillips over at First Choice Insurance a call. Matt is an awesome individual that is working with his family. It's a family-owned and operated insurance company that is going to help you to align yourself with the insurance that you need for your insurance needs. Like I said, home, health, car, whatever it is, I have all those things through First Choice Insurance. And Matt helped me, sat down with me, and talked me through the process of buying the insurance that I needed to make sure that Everything I needed was covered, whether it be my health insurance or my home insurance. God forbid my home were to burn down. I would be able to replace everything in my home because I have good home insurance through First Choice Insurance. So if you're looking to revamp your insurance needs, if you've sat down with your wife or your significant other, and you thought, hey, we really need to look at this. Give Matt Phillips a call at 573-686-2870. Again, that's Matt Phillips at First Choice Insurance at 573-686-2870. Or go down in the show notes, and I'll have a link to their Facebook page, and you can hit up Matt. Now, without further ado, let's uh, find out what 99% of the people in the fishing industry uh, actually buy. That That... I would say only a small percentage of actually give a crap about the competitive side of what we do. Like I lean more towards the recreational side of it. Like I enjoy a tournament. I enjoy professional fishing. Like it's cool, but all at the same time, I could take it or leave it. If it disappeared tomorrow, I would be neither here nor there. I would go down to the golf, but no, but, but the golf and racing at its core is competition. 
Golf is a game of it has a score and a competition, whereas fishing at its core, at its original inception, was not a game. It wasn't a race. It was a way to provide for your family. Like I it just was, think it, needs, it was hunters it needs to be structured in, you know. from like literally the top down. Like someone needs to say, "This is the premier organization. If you want to be part of this, you are not putting money into MLF. You're not putting money into MPFL, Skeeter." you are only going to be with Bass or XYZ bring. It's all going to us. You can't divide it between all these pros, all these wannabe pros, all these guys that have a YouTube channel, all these guys that, oh, I mean, now. you can't. Oh, you back up. I mean, I hate to say that, up. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of value in what we do, but at the same time, like, you have to be a lot smarter with your finances because right now it's everywhere. Like, Everyone's piecing all these thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars between all these different things instead of putting it into a like true professional avenue. Yeah, I mean I, I think I think you guys are on the the I think you're on to something. I mean, I never really thought this deeply into it, but being that it's not a like we created the competition, mm -hmm. right? Fishing, mm -hmm. fishing isn't inherently a competition. Um, you know, people used to do it to eat or die, um, but it's not. And it wasn't a game that was invented. Like we created these rules, and I look at racing and golf, and I mean, neither of those brands, to my knowledge, have for a guy like any of the three of us uh, have a million followers and and have the influence that is probably as great as the greatest ever in our sport we can do that in fishing you cannot do that in racing and golf no like nope. no one can like in all of fishing who has the most followers is it rob turkla no, probably Black Tip H. Okay, yeah, yeah, but they're multiple guys. Like yeah. one single guy can like. There's no, no. That's like a brand. I look at Black Tip as a brand. Like, not that Lunkers TV isn't a brand, but like, I mean, he probably affects as much sales as KVD. I mean, if we're being more. really honest, it's astronomically more. The only reason that KVD still gets the sales that he does and not to discredit the man because he's the greatest to ever right ever, right. ever fish anything but it's negative. because his name is literally a t is on everything that strike king makes like literally everything but at, like you you can't do that in anything else like when it's and i think there's it's the it's the it's the so in fishing okay Joe, you, you fish the opens and you, you aspire to try to, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your aspirations are exactly, but I know that you fish the opens. And I mean, I know the opens are, I mean, the consequence of doing well in the opens is fishing professionally on the elite series. So you are a normal guy who loves fishing, who has dumped a bunch of, of time and money and, you know, just everything into the passion that you love the tournament, you know, scene. And that's what you want to do. You can do that as a normal human being. You have no exceptional abilities. I don't mean anything by that, but you're not right, right. you're not bigger, you're not faster, you're not stronger, right. you don't have a crazy arm like Josh Allen, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you can't, you know, kick a ball 
650 yard, whatever it is. And it's, mm-hmm. but it's like anybody who's a fisherman can go do it. Like you put enough time, money, and effort into it. I mean, yeah, there's some natural skill. There's dudes who are natural. I call them fishy. They're just fishy. I don't know what it is. They're kind of, yeah. but like at the end of the day, if you've got enough time and money, anybody can go do it. Whereas in like racing, mm-hmm. even, dude, there's dudes who are really good at driving cars. I don't know mm-hmm. why they're oh, yeah. really good at driving cars, but they are astronomically better than everybody else at driving cars. Golf, those dudes are freaks of nature. Tiger Woods yeah. is a freak of nature. John Daly is weird. Is being who he is is still a freak of nature when it comes to the he sport. Is. Any football player, I mean, they are freaks of nature. Josh Allen, like, dude, Josh, you look at Josh Allen, you go, well, that's just a normal human. No. He's got like some freaky genetics that makes him be yep. able to just missile a ball from 70 yards away right into somebody's hands. And so yep. I think in fishing, that's where it's different is it's like we we can affect the change because we can do it and anybody else can do it. Anybody can just go do it in our world, which is is weird in comparison to other sports because like name another sport where you don't have to have – a, a freak ability like you're an athlete you know you, i mean yeah and you can work for it right? you can become the best quarterback of all time by just working for it but i think like there still has to be a certain level of just you genetic talent that that human has <coughs> yeah I, I as if if we're speaking in generalities you couldn't be more right mm-hmm. like it's I, like we're I'm not saying there aren't exceptions to, to the rule and, and there truly is in fishing. Like there, I mean, we could sit here and name a few exceptions that have some exceptional gifts. Um, but like I'm exceptionally good like, at catching small fish. So there, you know, that's my gift, right? You know? <laughs> right. But like, I mean, you, you can like look at Paul and I mean, they call him the prodigy for a reason. You can look at, at, you know, KVD when he was at, at his prime was cashing checks and like 87% of events. And, I think I think he he has the two longest streaks of ca- cashing checks. It's like twenty nine and seventeen straight, and those are the two highest streaks ever. And he has them both. That's crazy. But like, so like, there are guys that are exceptions. But speaking of generalities, the fact that that the three of us can sit here and have some influence in the industry, I think speaks to your point exactly. Like you can make it without being exceptional at anything. And I think only Rudy in the movie about Notre Dame is really the only <laughs> time you'll ever see that in any other big time, yeah. you know, facet of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know. I always find that interesting. Like it's uh this our 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 sport, our recreation, whatever you want to call it, like the whole professional side of it, has always just fascinated me, because it is. I I would never wanted to be a professional angler, like I like I I wanted to be like Jeremy Wade or like you know like my idol growing up was not KVD, it was you know the crocodile hunter. Like I wanted to go yeah. adventure, but like I wanted to adventure in the way what I wanted to venture, which is throw a kayak off the side of a bridge or take my tin rig up some Creek. It's not supposed to go up and like, yeah. just be there for the adventure. And so it's like, when I looked at the professional side of it, I was just like, it's like you stand back and you really look at it. Like when you go to ICAST, when you really stand back and you look at all that, you're just like, damn, this is weird. Like, this is really weird that we're all here together in this room. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, 
like no other place do you go and it's like there's a bunch of NFL players all in a room together having a a you know a I don't know an iCast or whatever you know like a it's just a weird yeah. thing it's 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 I don't but know like, we we say this but like golf has has their expos and like there's all these expos so like that's not I don't know I think it's very interesting there has to be a redesign because I think we all have to get together at or some naked point women naked women I'm yeah telling I mean, you. the the pelagic booth they just need to be everywhere <laughs> coast and pelagic right yeah. that's, that's um, but no like it's very weird there's two or three or four main organizations that try to be like the premier organizations instead of people just saying hey this is our premier organization and let's build this thing as like a, a professional well, so uh, let's say let's let's note this though if we're going to talk about how organizations and maybe a little bit of like kind of trying to be like ours is better than yours. Like we're going to talk about this. We have to talk about kind of how FLW started because FLW, the reason they went broke was because they did everything for their anglers. Like Mm -hmm. they were an amazing organization in terms of trying to promote the sport of fishing and the anglers as individuals and like that's they got in there to try just like what's that new golf tour now don't they play in like saudi arabia or something what's yeah. that yeah it's uh i don't know even what it's called it's really cool like the saudi arabian golf tour <laughs> I, I watch it on tiktok right but uh <laughs> like um flw started not to try to not to try to like butt heads or anything, but they really just were like, we believe that we have a business model that can take this sport to the next level. And, and then major league fishing believed they could do the same thing. It, it's, it's hard to, hard to talk about like trying to get everybody to like get along when right now we truly don't actually have there's no good ideas of really truly how to make this better. Like all of the ideas that are kind of in front of us that we've discussed now that other organizations have tried to run with as they've entered into this sport, nobody's come up with this like grandiose idea that is truly going to dig us out of this hole that we're freaking in. I have one, right? I have one. Give it to it's, us. It's Rob. simple, simple double down on social media. No, 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 no. Listen, no. We're listen. We're not talking about social media, man. Listen, we're talking about, we're talking about having a professional. Listen, I'm going to tell you how you do it. You accept the fact that bass fishing is a weird niche sport. You double down on social media as far as like hosting the live tournament coverage on social media. Double down on social media creation around your anglers that you want to be the premier and like stars of the sport. Grow them into their own social media personalities and have a whole social like the WWE did with their their people, like with their wrestlers, but do it all on social media. Make it super accessible to the normal human being. They don't have to go to ESPN at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning to watch it. They can go to the live stream on YouTube and click it. That's why I like the FLW when they were still doing their thing. You can watch all their live streams on YouTube. I didn't have to go to a special app. I didn't have to go to a special place. I have to been around, jerk myself off backwards to try to get it to come up on my TV. I went to the 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 single <laughs> the single most the single most prominent video hub in existence the second biggest search engine in the world and i clicked on it and i watched the show double down on social media 
double down, down on content creation around your big pros and then double down on mom and pop tackle shops and big box stores like the FLW used to. I got to meet every FLW pro at a Walmart one time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My dad took me down there, and there was like 18 dudes at this Walmart, and I didn't know who freaking any of them were, but it was cool because they had stickers on their boats, and they were professionals or whatever, and my dad was excited about it, so I was excited about it. First time I ever met Kevin Van Dam was at a Chevy dealership in, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and that's, they have got too far away from your grassroots dynamic that is bass fishing like that's us i'm sorry that's what we are like you said earlier joe we're not going to get coca-cola so let's double down on the fact we're not going to get coca-cola and let's bring it back to what it was the like normal people who are watching other normal people but at a higher level do the thing that they love to do as well and it's like i think that that's where like so that's what i mean by social media like everybody in the industry could benefit from the understanding of where a weird niche, where do weird niches live? They live on YouTube. I'm sorry, they do. There's dudes that are making millions of dollars a year playing Pokemon games. Pokemon, as a company, doubled down on social media, and they doubled down on these Pokemon content creators that are making millions upon millions of dollars for the Nintendo company. And it's and like they host the whatever Pokemon card world games that someone won $1.7 million for winning a card game that hosted it all on YouTube. And that was like the premier place that you would go watch it. Like, dude, this comment section is hilarious. Oh, I don't even look way. at it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I just think when you double down on just the normal person, like the normal person's like, like the consumption of the normal person. You've got to make it for normal people. And I think when you try to not make it for normal people without the exceptional athletes, the exceptional talent, the, God forbid, the DeMar, you know, thing that happened the other night with that guy, like that's a freak weird thing, right? But like everybody's eyes were on that because that is like the best of the best in the whole entire world going at it. And when that dude got hurt, it was like, oh my God, this star athlete who is a exception to the rule of human beings just got hurt Mm -hmm. you don't see that in bass fishing and so we've got to double down on that fact and accept what we are and that's my that's my yeah do you remember when uh i want to say it was like 2016 or 17 when a tornado took out kevin short's house and he missed uh toledo bend event yes yeah if that would have been a true professional sport like Dude, that would have been like the be all and the end all like like the professional organization would have got behind his town and like helped them rebuild like you know we're not really a professional sport if that was like a 5 minute blurb on an ESPN episode and then it just like went to the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's we need to find like you said some way to promote our our realness, mm-hmm. you know, like we're real humans, like, and we, we have to capitalize that on that. I, I hope in a male dominated sport, um, that we're able to put some ego aside and find a way to, to capture our relatability to the normal human beings. But I don't know if in such an egotistical testosterone driven industry, if that is an actual possibility. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, and I think that's our biggest, our biggest, our two biggest uh, 
obstacles that we've got to get over is that a lot of top A personalities all coming at the same problem and not giving any solutions, but a bunch of grandiose ideas. <laughs> Cause that's me. I mean, I'm a big idea guy. Like I'll come up like, we're oh, going yeah. to build a rocket and go to the moon. It's like, well, let's think about the logistics first, Alex. Like, do you even know how to build a rocket? No, but damn it. We're doing it. Um, yep. and, and then, and, it, I, and then the second thing I think is, is, is this, how do I say this? It's a, it's like a, it's a, weird place that we're in in fishing right now too because we've got a lot of really old people like a generation of people are going to have to die before a change can be made sorry it's just the way that it is because there's people who are running giant fishing corporations that are my papa's age they're literally in their 70s and in their 80s and they're making decisions based on what was cool when they were kids and it's like that was the newspaper and go get a five cent stick of gum and my newspaper and we're going to and it's like that's not the way that it is anymore like i've had conversations with companies whose owner is 75 and they don't even own a smartphone. And it's like, and and I think that's okay in worlds where they have been dealing with exceptional people for so many years. I think we need some very open-minded people, which tend to be younger, not that, all old older folks aren't but they just the tendency is is in younger folks to kind of embrace some of the newer ideals so what i just gathered from joe is that all the old people should die i got that man that's it's really good i I knew somebody (laughs) would love to twist into like that you know so (laughs) I, i got another idea and this came up you said something a few minutes ago it kind of got me thinking you know what you know what bass fishing also doesn't have is a regulating body like we aren't regulated by so, like, the UFC is regulated by whatever sports commission is the the town that they're in. So, like, when they go to New York, there's, like, a little bit different set of rules. When they go to Florida, there's a little bit different set of rules. But there's a, there's a regulating body of a sports commission over that activity. Same with football. Same with baseball. Like, they have these regulating bodies that make sure that, uh, you know, they're not doing, you know, performance enhancing drugs, which I don't think we have to worry about that in fishing, but like there's like a regulation and a regulating oh. I mean, hell, I don't know. Joe's over here. just like <laughs> hitting the gym. Um, Dude, what, you know, how many, but like, so just let me pause for a second. You know how many people like, there is no way every professional angler is able to go at the pace that we go. I I've got to believe when I make it to the next level, even if it's 10, 15 years from now, somebody's staying awake on uppers. Like there's gotta be. That we drive so many hours, like in the amount of pain, like back to back events, unreal. Yeah, like people with back issues because we're in the car for thirty hours a week. Like, oh, there, something's. Anyway, back to what you were saying. Though. I mean, I, hey, there could be rampant drug use in the fishing industry. I believe that they're probably. I don't think it's. I don't think, I think it's, it's rampant. I mean, Joe now. is selling drugs to professional anglers. <laughs> That's I get it. It's cool. That's how you <laughs> afford all those dire reels. It's all good. We understand, but we'll, we'll keep going from there. <laughs> We're pulling that one as a soundbite too. Somebody oh, might pull God. that as a soundbite. Just put it on TikTok. Um, but oh no. My God. But but like I don't know. It's just weird. Like there's no governing body, and I I don't know if there needs to be one. But I just find that also interesting. Like you know, the NCAA regulates all of college sports, or. Like, what regulates the NFL? Like, I know there has to be some kind of 
I know USADA does the drug testing, but then is there like a is the NFL the regulating body over this whole organization that is in the NFL? But is there anybody like outside of that, like regulating? Hey, you can't do sports betting if you're a professional football player, so you can't bet on yourself. Like, who's that body that regulates that? Is that the government association? Players association? I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. And I don't know. I just, you know, so but there are regulating bodies is the point really. Yes. Yes, there is. And I find that interesting too, about fishing is like, I don't know a regulating body over fishing. And I think Ben, that may play into what you're saying is why there isn't a central organization is because there's no central regulating body that says this is the official set. And I guess there you go too. This is the official set of rules for tournament bass fishing at a professional level. and this is one of my biggest beefs too, Rudd, is you know how many tournaments, even me, who I like, I don't fish at the highest level. I mean, for the last two years, I've only fished three tournaments a year, like big tournaments, mm-hmm. right? Freaking, you know how many of those tournaments take place in multiple states? And there's no regulating body. So like you're fishing in, in at Champlain, you're in Vermont and New York. You can't even come up with, like, when we go to Louisiana this year to, to fish Toledo Bend, we'll be in Texas and Louisiana. Is the set of consistent rules. Like, some of those bodies of water, you have to have both licenses. And Canada is on the St. Lawrence. Like, so you got New York and a different country, right? Like That is, it, dude, is that, that is so interesting to me, too, because that gets into what I love, which is the conservation side of things. And it's like, when I was talking to the dude from Anderson, South Carolina, when he was talking about Lake Hartwell, and I was like, so do you worry about the conservation efforts that are going on in the other state that Lake Hartwell bumps up to? Or are you on, and, and like, you could tell when I asked him that question, he had never even, even had the inkling of a fucking thought to think, oh, like, what is, New York and Vermont go at it in Cham- on Champlain. That's interesting. They go at it. They go at they and they will rip each other. They will like it's like it's like watching it's like watching your current girlfriend argue with your ex girlfriend because they ran into each other at a county fair. Man, it is crazy. <laughs> See, and that is that's another soundbite, dude. Yeah, it is. There it is. J- Joe has multiple girlfriends fighting at the county fair while selling <laughs> drugs to buy Dawa reels. <laughs> Um, but though, dude, it's just so, I don't know. That is super interesting too, because then you've got, and then you've got to think about like all the rules, like kayak fishing drives me nuts because there are so many damn rule changes. Like it's constant. Like you got to, like when you sign up for a tournament, you better read the freaking rules. And I mean, read them front to back. You better read them like you've never read a set of rules before because they will sneak some little crap in there on you because there's no standard set of rules. It's just like... This one tournament organization, hey, we don't want you to get out of your kayak, and you can get out of it and pull it over a rock pile, but if you pull it over a limb, your ass is out. And it's just like, it's like, that's weird to me. You know what I mean? And then you throw in the, you're going to multiple states. I'm in Texas. I'm Louisiana. I'm in New York. I'm wherever. I'm going into Canada, completely different country. And it's like, yep. you know, Brandon Polnick got disqualified because he didn't break a bass rule. He broke a rule set state. by the state on how they want their conservation efforts done. And, dude, yeah. that's like, could you imagine? Well, and look at it. Well, and just and think about it like this. If we're going to go down this rabbit hole, I've been holding this one, hoping maybe we, we'd go off on another rabbit tangent. Hole. But, no. So, like, if I fish a BFL on – 
throw the A-rig, but if I fish a bass open, I can't throw the A-rig. Same body of water, same state, same, like, like it's not, it, it's crazy, right? We, we have, we, 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 so many different regulations to abide by and, and constantly changing and constantly, constantly changing, changing. Three years. Yes. Yes. Right? So like, when is somebody going to step in and say, we need to streamline this, right? Because a catch in football is a catch in football at certain levels. They define what you can get away with, but for the most, most, most of it, yeah. a catch is a catch, yeah. right? Possession. What is so having like, the possession of the ball? Like it's the same. Right. Yeah. And, and they and they are constantly doing efforts to try to make what is what goes on in Pop Warner consistent with the highest level too. No one's trying to make these things streamlined <laughs> in our sport. If anything, they're trying to spread them out, right? Yeah. If I fish a bass tournament, I have an eight-foot rod length maximum. But if I fish an MLF, like a BFL or a Toyota series, now I can throw a 10-footer. Like, I didn't even so know I that. Can, like, I, I didn't even know that was a rule. That's, like, weird. Like, I would not even think to think that. going. Like, if I was getting my float and fly rod out, I would never even think to think that. I would just show up with it. So, like... um couple of years ago when it, I think it was the, the before the second year of the Bass Pro Tour started, um, you know, there's a couple guys that have that are vested in some rod companies that were fishing the Bass Pro Tour um, that could benefit from that rule change. And it's a stupid rule to only have eight footers regardless because um, it was the old rule was put into effect. So you couldn't flip with cane poles on the Delta. Um, but now with where rod technology is, it's the most antiquated and stupid rule ever. But like now we can't fish a float and fly with over an eight foot rod. Like, dude, I have nine foot steelhead rods that I could cast a float and fly with a mile if I wanted to <laughs> like zing gone. And like, it's just, we're, but like one organization adopted the rule change to be up to 10 foot. Another didn't like would somebody come in and say we're going to be the governing body like or would would one of these organizations step up and say we're going to change our rules to align with their rules even though we don't necessarily agree we think it would be good for the sport that is dude that i i think we just like kind of hit the core of like really where the issue may be at is like there is nobody like you said, everybody is trying their best to make everything so different from each other. Like, this is why we're better. No, this is why we're better. No, this is why we're better. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, the NFL is a business. But, like, these these tournament organizations are truly businesses at the end of the day because they're, like, trying to make money. Where the NFL just makes – I mean, dude, they print money, right? And it's like college right. sports just print money. But, like – and so they have to have some sort of regulating body that has a consistent set of rules. And into then it goes back to what I said earlier. It's a game. It's a game with rules. What we do is not a game with rules. Like we've made rules and we've made it a game, but it's <laughs> but but like define fishing lure. Because if you say what is a fishing lure, you ask a walleye guy, he's going to say, uh, you know, a little jig head with a minnow on the back. If you ask a steelhead guy i don't know because i don't know shit about steelhead joe what's a steelhead lure it's like you know or like you ask a my buddy who's a red fishing guide what is a lure he's gonna go a doa shrimp or a live shrimp like Mm -hmm. it's so defined there's no diff 
there's no defining definition of what is fishing because there is no way to define fishing because fishing is so anecdotal across the board in everybody's different experiences. That dude, I just had like that. I love that we just had this conversation. My mind is like going well, right now. Well, and the thing is, is like to be really honest, and like people might think I'm arrogant in saying this. Totally are. Not drug, a lot of people dealer. take the time care enough to have the conversation, let alone then take the steps to try to do better. And when they do, they're often met with so many barriers that people don't want to work with them anyway to try to fix this. Mm -hmm. I think, I think what happened is what happens too is because everything is such a locker room measuring contest in the fishing industry. uh, I don't think uh, enough decisions that are made are made to be 10 or 20 year decisions. They're made to be two and three year fixes, right? Mm Band-aids or, or, you know, the neosporin that helps the wound heal a little bit, but isn't necessarily you from getting more injured later, you know, like you mm. could still get a bacterial infection, you know, <laughs> like I think I, I don't, he knows about that from his drug dealing days. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't think that, uh, the, I think a lot of decisions are made with the idea that this is, this might suck for 10 years. But in 20 years, we will be astronomically ahead of where we were 20 years ago. And I don't think deci- I don't think decisions are rarely thought that way, except for like, like Texas Parks and Wildlife. I think they're mm. about the one of the organizations that's capable of thinking that far ahead. Yeah, yeah, you know? and I agree. I, and see, and that's my whole that's my crusade right now is that like conservation. I'm going to the conservation side of things. It's like we are looking at two, three years max. Like we're not looking at what is 10 years from now going to, what is 20 years from now going to look like? And you're right. Texas Parks and Wildlife is like, they're going, what do we have to do now that decades from now, we're still going to be winning. Whereas like most of these conservation agencies, TWA included, I think they're doing a a fairly good job. And I, and I am really pushing and being a squeaky wheel to see more changes happen, but they're still making changes. Like what can we affect right now to make sure that we have what we need to still make money? And yeah, they have, they have a lot of short and long-term goals and, and, and Texas parks and wildlife runs into some, some of the similar barriers that the TWA does. I mean, like Texas parks and wildlife, so many of their bodies of water, um, you know, are the, are water sources, right? So they're, mm-hmm. so they don't actually have jurisdiction over regulating, um, and, and trying to improve some of these waterways for the fish population. They have to deal with the, the, people that own the water, you yeah, know, the, the yeah. water authorities. Yeah. And, and that's the same stuff that TWA, I think TWA runs into it more. I think a greater, they have more barriers. Than, well, I mean, than the Texas federal government probably. owns most of the waterways. I mean, like literally every waterway that I can think around me that isn't a creek or a tributary is owned by the federal government. Cause it's the TVA. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. And, and, yeah. and then again, there you go. That's another weird, like who in the hell regulates that you know what I mean? Because like, I don't want to get the federal government involved in anything that I've got going on, and it's like they come, you know. And and, and I wonder. Okay, I got a rabbit hole. I wonder if nobody is recognizing the 
how do I say this? So it's like, okay, the TVA. TVA is a federal government. I don't care what anybody says. Federal government is out to get theirs. You do anything, federal government's going, where's my piece? Oh, yeah. I wonder if because bass fishing as a tournament, like as a, like a tournament thing that makes money and is, you know, whatever. I wonder if nobody's noticed because it's not big enough to make a big enough wave with the federal government that they've not stepped in and gone, whoa, if you're going to have a tournament on the TVA, we're going to need 25% of your revenue as a blah, 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 blah. Like, I wonder if nobody, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. And it's like, I wonder if almost sounding the alarm a little too much then brings in that, like where the federal government literally steps in and goes, we need 25% of all your revenue because you're using our body of water and comes up with, you know, all these. Well, so, but then I think they, they have a lot of, fishermen like myself that say oh you know what like you need to cure x y and z then because we are so aware of of so many things that they need to step in like okay so here's a good example of where if they tried to do this where we live um we have this massive like grievance against the federal government who hasn't stepped in so the conowingo dam is the bottom of the Susquehanna River, right? Mm-hmm. Where Nolan Miner won that tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Conowingo Dam, it's like 100 feet tall or whatever, has like 15 gates on it. It dumps hundreds of thousands of cubic feet of water per second into the Chesapeake Bay. And, you know, we have all these rivers also that flow into the upper bay and, you know, flow down to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Well, the the at the mouth of the dam, uh, the dam itself should be like 109 feet deep. I think at the mouth it's like 15 feet deep or something. There's like almost 90 feet of phosphorus and sediment sitting at the mouth of the dam. Like it should be way deeper. It's all this dead, decayed plant matter, garbage, mm. everything that's built up over the years that that dam has been there. It's all of New York and Pennsylvania's garbage, right? Whether it be organic garbage or garbage human waste Mm -hmm. right and then at the mouth where it all dumps in for miles and miles it used to be super fertile Mm -hmm. crabbing grounds right super fertile like maryland crabs right maryland's Mm -hmm. famous for crab cakes and football right that's what maryland (laughs) does i like how you talk out of the side of your mouth when you do that that's what maryland (laughs) does Right? I, watched, I, w- I was actually watching Wedding Crashers before this came on, so uh. it's fresh in my mind. But uh, like they haven't, they said, like, Maryland has said, well, we can't fix it. It's Pennsylvania should be the one fixing it because it's flowing out of Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania said, uh, the water originates at, at Ostego Lake in New York. And New York should be the ones to pay to fix the dam, right? And really, like, if it flows through that many states, your opinion as a taxpayer and as a a U.S. citizen, isn't things that are multi-state, aren't those usually things that are governed by the federal government when multiple states are involved? And you think, so by that logic, you think, oh, the federal government should get involved and fix this problem so we can go back to having fertile crab fishing grounds Mm. so that all of this stuff that makes its way through the dam now all needs to be cleaned up because all of that is destroying and and it's it's getting closer and closer to baltimore all of that stuff north of baltimore is now getting closer and closer 
to ruining the crab grounds. And, and in, a, in a certain amount of years, you're not going to be able to crab in Baltimore Harbor anymore. Like, but who's, whose job is it to fix that? Like, don't come after my fishing on these waterways or we're going to come after you who need to be taking care of these fisheries better. I love that. You know? I love that. They've and- left it to the states. And if they want to leave that to the states, leave the states to make their money because they somehow have to figure out, figure out how to clean up this mess too. Dude, that's legit. I mean, that's legit. That's, I mean, that is, that is a, that is not an issue that I have to deal with here in Tennessee, but I, that is an issue that's like, that's a, that's well, but a you guys have to clean up the Asian cart population, exactly. right? Exactly. Wouldn't you be having like you, you could have, you could tell the exact same story I just told with Asian and if, if the federal government wants to come in and take a cut of what these cities are making for hosting these tournaments, then you know what they need to be paying for, maintaining these fisheries and these bodies of water too. And they, mm-hmm. they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. That's up to the States yep. right now. And, and, and on the flip side of that, the cities should be also then saying what you're saying. These cities should be reinvesting back into the fisheries that they're using as pawn chips to bring in these tournament organizations to then have 52 other subsequent tournaments after that, that of people who just want to come play on the same field of that. The best of the best played on. Dude, that's oh man! Like you got me really thinking now. Like we're an hour and twenty four minutes into this, and we ain't got time for this conversation. Like that is, dude. That's that's legit. Like that is. I really never kind of campfire conversations that I would stay up till four in the morning, like passionately, not even realize time is going by. Oh, dude, that's one, and that's me too. Like any when you want to really get me going, conservation is my thing. I could literally go. Mm -hmm. I could go all day, all night on that. But that is very interesting because I've never thought about it kind of in that context and you're right you know and you want to know what's crazy is just even more on that topic the tva specifically okay so we think tva you think maybe think tva you probably think gunnersville chickamauga pickwick your tva systems okay what a lot of people don't realize is that your big power producing dams and and you know a lot of these highland reservoir lakes are tva lakes as well Douglas, Cherokee, Norris, you know, these are giant reservoirs. Well, the one way that they help to, number one, produce power, that number two, regulate flooding during the winter is they they pull those lakes down. So, like, right now, Norris mm-hmm. is down 25. Big drawdown. Yeah, huge drawdown, 25, 35 feet. Okay, so we had this record-breaking cold move through the Tennessee Valley the other day. They literally had to have rolling blackouts because they said they couldn't produce enough power. Okay, how, how... I am literally 10 minutes from Norris Dam. I am 15 minutes, 25 minutes from from Mountain Hill Dam. I am like right here. Uh, we got a, a coal fire plant. And then if you go. I was going to say there can't be a coal fire plant that far away. Yeah. You go an hour and a half down the road, you have Sequoia Nuclear Plant, which is one of the biggest nuclear plants in all of the South. Okay, so number one, if you're going to jerk these lakes down and you're going to do whatever willy-nilly you want to these lakes and not even think about the conservation of the fishery while doing it, because what they'll do is they'll wait till April, May, water hits 60 degrees, pristine, perfect, and they'll jerk that bitch right down. And literally, I've seen bass beds that were in the water completely out of the water. I've seen whole bass oh, yeah. spawns ruined by a drawdown where we have, you know, rain move in. And then you're going to tell me you're drawing these lakes down, you're doing all this regulating, but then you can't produce power on the back end when we have cold weather. 
Like, you guys are doing fine. You have record-breaking cold weather. It's cold up there where y'all live all the time, and y'all don't have rolling blackouts. <laughs> like, so no. that's a whole – That I think that is an even greater example of that's why we don't want anybody to get involved because it's just going to be a giant debacle of a shit show at the end of the day in most, in most cases unless – guess who has to have a seat at the table? Guess who – us as anglers. And we're not having that because that's – we're – Going back to my original ta- statement, we're weird, we're obscure, we're niche. And so they're not paying attention to us because guess what? We don't produce enough dollars at the end of the day to be heard. But when the University of Tennessee has a football game, they raise loud enough so all the Tennessee, uh, the the uh, Vol Navy can get to the, the get to the stadium and have their big Vol Navy, you know, tailgating on all their giant million dollar boats. Like how I'll tell you what, though, what what truly makes my froth peak, though, is a party on a boat. A party on a boat. <laughs> Get down with a party on a boat. Well, I got a party on a boat for you. Ever want to come down here Saturday? I'll find you some rich guy with a big old boat. You and him can get on there and just party down. All I need is a go balls. A little V-O-L-S, baby. <clears throat> Dude, our culture has gotten so weird, hasn't it? Oh, it's 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 awful. I mean, you know, like it's. I think it's awesome and awful TikTok. and one scary nightmare all at the same time. We are one scary nightmare away from it all just going to hell too. I mean, like, is it? But like, we can't have the conversation we just had without saying, like, how far are we truly away from like absolutely like apocalyptic events? Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm, I'm like totally like, okay. I'm not like a big conspiracy guy, but I kind of think that like, like we kind of did have a little bit of an ugly conversation there. Oh uh, oh yeah. I mean, we did. And it, I mean, and I, and those are the conversations that I want to have. I mean, like, I think that's one thing I, I've always wanted to do with my platform is like, we have fun. I say stupid shit. Like we joke around, but at the end of the day, like I do want to have hard conversations and crazy conversations because it's like no, because like what you said, I feel like nobody else is talking about it. Like I feel like we're the like only people who like actually sit down and think about things like that. And maybe maybe we have the blessing of of having the time to think about things like that. But I, Ben, I know you do too. You have a full time job and kids. But I just feel like we we are like a, a a vocal minority of people who are actually thinking about the problems like that. You know what I mean? it's uh yeah it i don't know why more of these convert i i think i think so many people's desire to be relevant takes them away from the ability to see the bigger picture Mm. um you know i think i think a lot of people have no idea how small this industry is um and they they they're chasing the glory and they want to be bigger than they really are and Mm. and it i mean i I, it's hard to keep everything in perspective all the time like everybody wants to be relevant you know especially Mm. americans like we've we've kind of created this culture and and you know like you ever heard rogan do that uh hard times create hard men hard men create weak you know good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times yeah we're in this tough tough lull in -hmm. society and we've 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 created this ourselves you know i i hope that if american ideals shift like rogan suggests that they will 
hopefully men that are governing this industry or gosh, hopefully some women come in and help balance out the men so that there can be a shift because we're clearly running this train into the ground, you know? We're just running it straight into the abyss. It will be no longer if we just keep going down. This dude, you're right, though. I think the biggest thing right now, and I, and I, and I always tell people that are around me, if I ever – say anything or do anything that makes me seem like I'm too big for my own head, knock me down because that's never been my intention. Like, you know, like right. I started this cause I loved it. I do it cause I love it and I'll continue to do it cause I love it. But you're right that there's so many people who want to be a so much bigger deal than they are. And I feel like that's where the industry went. I feel like the industry exploded in the past couple of years in, in well, it was when we gave away a half million dollars or a million dollars to Scott Suggs when he won the Forest Wood Cup. That's so, what that was the big downslide. I didn't. I didn't even know he won that much money. That's a that's a lot of money. It, it was like two that I forget what year it is, but when Scott Scott Suggs won the first million dollar tournament, it, it was all downhill from there. And, and the economy was so good. Bass fishing was starting to prosper. The Bassmasters, as the elite series, not the top 100 or whatever, had been in, in play for a few years. Bass fishing was at its peak, and like it, it, it was really frothing. And really uh, frothing. We, I got to start using that. This guy, I'm a fr- I'm frothing over that one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But that that it was all downhill from there. KVD was larger than life then. Um, the economy was doing so well. That, that was the time that like, and a lot of people don't realize that about fishing history, but when we gave away a million dollars, everything changed. And now all of a sudden, and mm. because we were on this, this trend anyway, as Americans, right? It was, like, this, it was almost this frivolous, unrealistic expectation to live up to that. We tried and tried and tried. And guess what? Like I said earlier, we have to accept our weirdness. We have to accept our place in in the in the world. Like, there's just certain people. Like, and I know there's going to be people who will be like, "No, you can't think like that. You got to think like." I seen a quote today. This was great. It made my dad giggle while we were sitting in the hospital waiting for his procedure to get done. I said, "There's there's a lot of bodies laying on Mount Everest of people who are really enthusiastic. So calm down just a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, that that is that is where we're at with the fishing industry right now. Is 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 listen? There's a lot of there's a lot of dead bodies laying on Everest of really enthusiastic people. So let's let's calm down. I just like unplug my light. Uh, I love it. I love that I made you laugh so hard that you unplugged your light. But I mean, dude, oh yeah, that is for real where we're at. And I actually had this conversation with several people I, I was kind of talking just you know we were talking before we got on here like contracts and everything so i've been doing a lot of con- talking the past couple of weeks and uh and i told somebody i said i really believe the fishing industry got really really frivolous and see i i, I don't have the perspective of the, the million dollar thing because i didn't even know that it, that happened and maybe that's because like you kept you keep up with that more but i'm gonna have to look at that and kind of see that but it's like i've seen the downslide I, like in my weird like perception and maybe it's life maybe it's life maybe it's not actually what's happening but my weird perception was like the last good year of, of tournament bass fishing and like what felt like good like you know like when everything was hitting all cylinders was the last year that jordan lee won the classic and then after that it felt like it just all fell apart 
but but then we got into 2020 and the fishing industry exploded again because of all these people coming into it and wanting to get into it. And there's so much money being dumped in. There's so much money being spent. And it was almost like we got too big for our own shoes. It was so frivolous and huge that now we're starting to realize, hey, guess what? It's shrinking back down to what is normal. And what is normal is we're kind of weird and obscure. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, Rudd, before you ever had a sponsor, did you think that like companies were giving away more money than you realize now? Oh, I had no idea. But but we knew people were making pretty good livings, I, right? I, I thought, I thought, to be honest with you, I thought they were, I didn't understand it. And so I thought they were like professional athletes where they just got paid to show up because they were who they were. And like now that I realize how the industry actually works, it's like, oh, okay, this is very weird. <laughs> well, there, there was a time where companies were giving away money kind of frivolously. I don't want to say like frivolously, but like there was a time where there was a lot more money being handed out. I don't think bass fishing will ever see that money again. Mm-hmm. Like never. I mean, the economy is going to have to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, not to get into this weird thing, but like, so it wasn't until about like five years ago when I decided this is what I wanted to do eventually, mm-hmm. where I started paying attention to like truly who I was voting for for president. And like, I, I like realized this is going that already. like, realized that like when i started caring about like who i was voting for because you want to know who i vote for whoever is going to make our economy stronger you want to know why because when our economy is strong people spend more money on tackle when people spend more money on tackle there's more money that can be put back into marketing which means there's more contracts available for me and all of my friends mm-hmm. which means that all of us can hang out around the campfire and talk on a podcast and have these stupid conversations yep. and while we're promoting these brands that we work for and, and there's, there's more for you, me and the next guy. And like, all of these things are so stinking important. And, and like, there was a time where our economy was absolutely freaking booming Mm -hmm. and our, like, I'm not saying this is related to our president, but I might be a little, our economy, I, I think a lot of it's COVID too. Um, you know, and, and the commerce and trade that was hugely affected by, by COVID-19, whether you believe in it or not, or have conspiracy theories, it is what we're looking at. And our economy isn't in the same place that it was in 2019 prior to all of this. And it's just, it's weird to see how much money was available 10 years ago compared Mm -hmm. to where we're at now. And, And a lot of that is kind of indicative of where we're at as a country. Mm-hmm. But the point was, is there, there's just things, things were different. There's a big shift. We are sliding, mm-hmm. sliding. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and, and there's a big shift in the way everything is going. Every industry is everything and everything. Like, oh, yeah. like, dude, it, like I'm going to toot our horn because that is what I do. I am I am our own cheerleader in our world of social media. We're changing the world. 
hundred percent. Before we got in here, we were talking. Everybody needs to go watch the documentary "Eat the Rich" and realize that a bunch of dudes on Reddit almost took down the entire U.S. economy because they almost took down an entire hedge fund because they were on Reddit saying to buy GameStop stock. They are investigating Twitter because Twitter can literally influence elections of the world's most powerful mm-hmm. country. Like, oh, dude, watch watch Homeland. Yes, exactly. And I mean, like, dude, it's people like... Information warfare. And like, and then, so you got the big scary thing, right? But then like on the simple part, there's a bunch of TikTokers that I've seen, a couple that I follow. I really like movies. I love to go to the movies. I love movies. Like I'm a big, you know, like movie buff. These TikTokers have gone from TikTok to now they show up on the big screen before the show. You know, like the little pre-show that they have and they're like, hey, welcome back, blah, blah, blah. Those dudes were on TikTok. Now they're still on TikTok with millions upon tens of millions of followers, but they're also now doing the pre-show for the movies. Then they started showing up on the red carpet and getting priority over E! News and getting priority over these big news industries because they get more eyes. And it's like the whole world is shifting away from this like, legacy media this you know people watch the news people don't go to the news anymore they go to joe rogan they go to breaking points with crystal and Sager. like i've not literally this is not a joke y'all i have not watched the news in five years no shit Why would you? I, I don't and like if i want news i go i listen to breaking points with crystal and Sager. and it's a it's yes or you go to your phone and you and you search it and it's like so i think that's another like not only in our industry but like in the world, the whole world, like you said, we're in a weird ass place, bro. <laughs> like weird. And like, where do we go from here? I don't know, man. I mean, I guess we just live it out and see what happens. <laughs> there's there's so many. And just from that alone, there's so many more rabbit holes that we can go go under. You know, talking about the FCC, talking about news and talking about like information sharing of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, dude. Ben, you've been sitting down there. When Ben gets quiet like this, I worry because I know he's about to say something really intelligent and challenge every idea that I have. <laughs> no, I just, I'm just listening. I'm more of a fly on the wall tonight, just kind of listening. And, and I mean, I have different opinions on a couple things, but at the same time, it's, I agree for the most part. I just think we're in a weird spot right now. Like you start to look at um, where we were at in 2006, seven, eight as a sport of bass fishing, right? You had these teams and, and companies investing in bass fishing that got really burned. Chevy, the national guard was like one of the biggest sponsors of the FLW. You had Walmart, you had Kellogg. I mean, three doors down wrote a whole song for the national guard that they played at a weigh in here in Knoxville before the guys walked out on stage. Like I remember that clearly, like, cause it was like a big deal. Yeah, like you had all this money coming into the sport and they got burned by organizations that weren't set up financially intelligently and they'll never be back to the sport of bass fishing until we finally get our stuff together. Like, but now you're at a weird time where you don't have 50 years behind you with a real organization, which the NFL has, which the NHL has. They're finally coming into like a prime when social media is finally booming that you can actually make money as an organization. So now all this money from these organizations is going towards other opportunities, social media influencers, um, marketing towards people through social media. It's not going to the sport of bass fishing because bass fishing isn't relevant as a professional sport. So it just will never come back to 
bass fishing as we knew it in 2008. Like it just it just won't happen unless something revolutionary changes. And I think that the relevancy super of, valid. And I think the relevancy of fishing comes through social media. I think that's the only reason that it's relevant and in every form that it comes in, whether it be tournament, whether it be guiding, whether it be salt, whether it be fresh, whether it be crabbing, because crabbing is a type of fishing. Like, you know, and like I can promise you there's some dude on YouTube that none of us have ever heard of. It probably has half a million subscribers that goes crabbing and like people really love his crabbing videos. Like, you know, and he's, he's and like Jerry out there talking out the side of his mouth. <laughs> I was more excited watching the Bassmaster opens. In looking at the final standings in the Bassmaster Opens, than it was MLF where the top the top guys are fishing. Like that's really indication that the sport of bass fishing at the most high professional level is really messed up. When Triple A League is more interesting than what is considered a professional tier bass fishing organization. Like there needs to be some reorganization if you really want the sport of tournament bass fishing to be relevant because when you have guys that can literally take down iCast, Googans just didn't show up to iCast and had people like coming to hotel rooms and like big conference rooms like that's really indicative of where the sport is going. That's indicative of the world. (laughs) Like it's just incredible. You can just take down the biggest event in well it's not basketball. I know it's a whole sport fishing show but you can take down like a bunch of the people that would have come to the bass fishing part of ICAST and just pull them out and drive them via social media. Because unfortunately all these organizations are missing the mark. We're, we're still missing the mark if we want to be a tournament bass fishing organization. Well, to circle some of this back to kind of where this, you know, conversation began, you know, I, I think it, this goes along with what Rut said, but it, it's hugely in line with what you, you're saying right now. I, I think we need to see the tournament organizations give credence to some of the influencers that are just content creators. And and we have to use, we have to all work together. And ooh, I, oh, I, I don't know if that'll, I don't know well, if we're so- ever going to see... Tournament I went to organizations or a governing body get behind Alex Fred fishing. So I, mean, I went to I, Major League Fishing literally with a uh, uh, Alex. I sent it to you. He did full blown plans Beautiful. of these like ways you can grow the sport of bass fishing using social media influencers to drive people to Major League. I've had five or six phone calls with a, a guy named Michael Malone, I believe, about how to do this, and he said, "Yeah, they don't want to do it." because they don't believe that the power of social media is enough to draw the eyes. Like you think we could get, you think we could uh, get you guys all to bring your own boats up here. And uh, we get like uh, five cameras for you guys to film your own social media content. I'm like, no, why would you not? Anyways, it's a different story, but like, they're just missing it, man. They, they're just straight missing. Logan, Logan Dude, and Jake why Paul. Are they not? Go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I can go to Bassmaster with the same idea. I'm I'm like that close. I don't under I don't understand like why they don't have Alex Rudd or why they don't have an influencer. Like why aren't the these guys being hired as announcers right now? Because you know how much freaking traffic they would draw. Mm-hmm. Like why are we not saying who are the top 100 influencers in the bass fishing industry right now that are not fishing this tournament? How do I get their 
How, how do I get their following? Mm -hmm. We need to be paying this guy to host this event. He needs to be hosting live for four hours. Mm -hmm. Like it's all fine and good that when Lee Livesey or Brandon Polinick don't, don't make day four, that they come and sit at the booth for three hours during live. But you know what? Their fans are watching the sport anyway. Mm -hmm. You need to continue to try to grow. And right now, like Rudd said in the beginning, why, like, why are, I mean, Dude, there are guys out there that have hundreds of thousands of followers, some in the millions. Why are we not hiring them? Mm -hmm. I mean, how, you can't you can't pay them ten thousand dollars for the weekend to host this event for four eight hour days. It's four eight hour days. We can't we can't hire them for that. And and what's even crazier is that what they don't realize is how many eyes. I'm going to say myself because like most of my audience doesn't care about tournament fishing. If you were there though, I know they would care. watch if they, if I was there because they would just come to say, Oh, like Alex is interested in this thing. Like the only way that tournament fishing stays like any, like has any relativity on my podcast is just because I find interest in how weird it is. And so I like to like show its weirdness and just like poke holes in it and then just step back and watch like, it's weird. If this wasn't on an FCC regulated broadcast, if this was on YouTube and you hosted this, you could be your brand of weirdness on that social media platform that is live. That's and what did I say earlier? What do you need to double down into social media? Because when you can step away from the regulation of like we have to be PC, we have to do this. You want to know why Joe Rogan is so fucking successful there i said it there i said a bad word on my thing that is why he's successful is because he can say whatever he wants to if he wants to have some dude who's a conspiracy theorist about coronavirus and another dude is a conspiracy theorist about i don't know what else you know all these people he has on he does it like this week alone on joe rogan i've listened to portnoy a dude who owns this place called the bone farm where he digs up you know like mammoths and crap and then i listen to a a um a a biologist about like coronavirus for like three hours all on Joe Rogan. And like, that's what I mean about like double down on social media is if, if, if a organization, a tournament organization will double down on like embracing the weirdness, letting mm -hmm. go of this rigid set of like, we have to fit in this little box and letting us just go gloves off. It's like Snoop Dogg announcing UFC fights. It's the funniest it's Joe Rogan announcing UFC fights. That's why UFC is so successful. You pay a pay-per-view amount of money to hear Joe Rogan be able to say whatever he wants to. The fighters get up there and say whatever they want to, and they beat the dog shit out of each other. And they can say we beat the dog shit out of each other. you got to take the the gloves off of it to make it re – that's why that's why UFC is I think is relative it, like it's 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 why it's like the fastest growing sport right now is because it isn't put into a nice box with a bow on top it is rough it's tough it's its own weird corner of sport and people love it my wife let me tell you something you I love UFC my wife is weird about that shit okay she yells she screams she gets into it and she doesn't get into any other sport and I can promise you it's because it's the personalities it's what they say it's the show it's the the grandiose of all that and the only reason it mm -hmm. has all that is because it's they have embraced what they are they are embracing it 100 percent and they're running with it I mean like 
bass is you know how long it's taken fighter to be okay smoking a cigarette like dude he had to release it in a youtube video five years ago and then he slowly has had to like ease the general public into the fact that he smokes which like freaking 12 percent of americans do it's but I'm just saying, like, it's this weird, like, it's a weird yeah. has tried to cram themselves into what the rest of the freaking public is doing. And they don't just embrace who they are. Like, well, you have Scott Martin and Brian Thrift chain smokers who you've never seen or very rarely smoked on live. I didn't know they were I mean, chain, chain smokers. smokers. <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah. Brian Hot Thrift take. Hot take. is like, yeah, don't smoking don't smoking like, one lot and the other one with another one. And you'll see like the camera cut to him, and you'll just see him drop a cigarette and go to fish because they can't have him on live smoking a cigarette. Or he'll be like, "Hey guys, I got to pee," so like he just lights up a cigarette and they take the camera off him. But like, dude, these dude, fighters, so fighters much. leading, fighters leading that St. Clair event, and he didn't like. If if that was a fun day of fishing for fighter, he would have dragged thirty darts that day. But like, yeah. he, but finally he had to be like, "All right, dude." He's like Jake, or I forget who was filming for him that day. He's like, "Dude, you gotta set the camera down. I need a dart break." Like, he, and and like, and that's when I started calling him darts. I'm like, because I thought it was hilarious when fighter said it, but like he had to literally walk on eggshells for years, like, and slowly had to ease people into understanding Over smoking tobacco over smoking tobacco. Like he's literally just smoking a cigarette. Like that, the, the fact that you just said that he's had to walk people into it for years as if though you're saying he is freebasing heroin on the front of his boat, <laughs> dude, it's a cigarette. You go to the convenience store and you buy them for $6 a pack or however much they are. Like I smoked a cigar on a podcast that I did with Bailey sitting with a bunch of pros. Like, so you're from, well, and we had Evan Williams bourbon slapped on the side of boats for how many years, but smoking. No, 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 no smoking but alcoholism is fine (laughs) it's just it just goes to show like how weird this industry has gotten and they just they it's like they are they have no identity like they won't just embrace the identity that we all know that bass fishermen truly have like there there is a core identity to all of us right we don't sleep enough we care so much about what we're doing. We're hugely passionate, AKA we're all freaking eccentric. Right. Yep. So just embrace it. Like, let's stop trying to like blend us into this like muted watered down, like disgusting version of like productive members of society. Like, let's just be who we are. And, mm-hmm. and the best way to do it is let's just triple down on freaking like, let's just, somebody write like if every single fisherman in the u.s wrote a letter to elon musk like dude take like buy this sport yeah over save our fishing like and just we all just said we'll all bow down to you like like we just need some rich like arab prince or elon musk like guy to like just pull us out of the toilet and save this thing like let us be free you know that free the fishermen okay, I, won't, I won't keep us too long on this one but uh the desire of bass 
right now to build characters, which they lost with the expansion to MLF is incredible to me. Like oh, they're it's, finally starting yeah. to build their characters back. It's, I mean, in, it's almost in, scripted. What, like it's oh. scripted. Like, you know, they you know, got, and they have an idea. I guarantee they have board meetings on this. Absolutely. That's why you have your Zaldane and your Tox and your Jakobsons and your Palinooks. And th- like you have the guys, and I hate to say this, but you have your Japanese and Taku. You have your Australian dream in Jakobson. You have the redneck, the dirty redneck in Matt Robertson. You have like, I don't even know where Seth Fighter is, but you have Fighter. Like, you just have these characters. That He's they the lost. nihilist, dude. He's the nihilist. <laughs> I'm the big Lebowski, dude. That's what he is. He's but a long haired nihilist. Like, they are building these people. And the guys that don't, the guys that aren't entertaining, but are also good anglers, just aren't going to get the TV time. Like, I hate Palmer, to be there. Lou Palmer is not going to get the TV time, dude. He's too clean cut. Right, he's just—he's yeah. not making waves in any way. Luke Palmer's not going to be a a brand that Bass gets behind until he wins three tournaments, you know. But and, Lee Livesey does something. That deep voice and like like shooting guns and drinking Bush Light or whatever beer company's going to pay him, they will get behind his ass. Dude, and his yeah, voice—I have to say—I watched him in a video the other day. I think his voice is getting worse. Like I, I, I turned it on and I was expecting the Lee Livesey voice, but I go in there and it's. I was like, oh shit! I was like, that boy, dude, I that boy him. needs some help. I've met, I've met him twice. Uh, every time, dude, he's a ball of laughs, bro. I like it. he's I love great, it. dude. I love it. Yeah, no, I, it's dude. Y'all are so right. Ben, you're right. Like, and and it is funny to me. Like, they've got some of them too, so bought in on their character, like that. Like, I've said this before. Like, they'll get on other podcasts and like say things that are so charactery. Like, it almost feels like it's the the rock up there. Like, like you know, I'm not talking about no you know, chocolate pie. I'm talking about poontang pie. And it's like, it's like they, they're like almost like so bought into their character. You know, what do you smell you with the rock? You sent me one. Okay. And like, I get it might be Jakobson's real personality. Is that how you say his He's, last name? I thought I it was Jakobson. It's Jakobson, but I like whatever Jacobson it is. Better. Anyways, Sounds fancy. He's like, I, I'm, I'm the American dream. And like, that's his only thing that you ever hear him talk about is like his, his dream to get here. And I'm sure it is probably like, if you made that accomplishment and it is your dream to be a Bassmaster Elite Series, it's your story. But at the same time, like, my God, that's his like. Dude, have you ever heard him tell the story? No. I cried. I cr- Dude, really? he, I no, cried. I'm not lying. I, I cried. cried. I'm, I, I really did. I'm, I'm kind of a crier, though, guys. I oh, am too. Like, that's, that's, yeah. Yes, you are. So, Brett, so uh, you know the U.S. Open. Well, you guys might not have it. Do you guys know how the U.S. Open works? Is that the one they have on um, out on in West? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out west. So, yeah. like, so when Jakobsen came over here, he got second as a non-boater, but. Every day that you fish, your your total that you catch with your boater is your total. So the boater and co-angler both contribute to this bag. And like if your bag is 20 pounds, your boater had 20 pounds for the day and your co-angler had 20 pounds for the day. And even though your partners shuffle like you get a different boater the next day, that's the total you're moving on with. So you're a team while you're in the boat, but you also move on with that total. So when he got second, one of the big things was he built a relationship with Fred. 
And when he ran out of money, after he sold his boat and like had been in our country for a while, had to battle to keep his visa, he went to watch a Bassmaster event. And it was on his way like to the airport to leave. And he saw Fred's wife who, who like had befriended the hell out of him that Fred and his wife had. And like, she just like, when he told her that he was leaving, they had like a really emotional moment and he's telling a story, dude. And I'm like freaking sob. And I've sobbed twice. I've heard him tell the story two different ways on two different uh, occasions. And I'm like tearing up like a big sissy. It, it is his story, but to your point, there are guys that are caricatures of themselves yeah, yeah, for yeah. the bass brand. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, he, he's, he's a great example of somebody who like went from nothing to something. But like, there's certain people who are everything. They're they. Come I mean, dude, he spent more money on lawyers to stay in this country than like any human being should have to. Like astronomical amounts Ameri- of that litigation. Is, that is that is the American dream, right? Come on over oh, here yeah. and sue the shit out of somebody. <laughs> but like, yeah. but like, like, there's just certain characters who they come from everything. Right, like they, they, it's not anything special, but you still got to build a character because it's what Vince McMahon did. I mean, like Vince mm-hmm. McMahon is a great example of like, dude, if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, professional wrestling wouldn't be anything that it is. And it's a building of characters, and it's not just Vince McMahon's building of characters. Also, the individual wrestlers built characters, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like I watched that documentary series that they did, dude. It's oh, yeah. fascinating, fascinating to hear yep. how he like. You know, he shaved his head one day and, like, cut into a handlebar mustache and then just walked in there and he was stone cold. You know what I mean? And, you know, Austin 316 says, I'm going to whip your ass. Like, it's like, dude, like, yeah, they're building that. But it's like, I just don't – it's, like, weird to see fishermen do that. And I think it's weird to see fishermen do that because they can't do it like what I was saying earlier. Like, you can't let the reins off of them to have, you know – Austin three sixteen walk up on stage, you know. Austin three sixteen says, "I'm gonna catch the shit out of them fish." <laughs> like, but dude, I would watch it. I would watch it. I would watch it a hell of a lot more. Well, here's the thing: is like if we are able to go to some social media platform, I, I think we're going to see more people who are truly like that. It's not really a character it's maybe just a version of themselves they've muted for the public eye and now they're like screw it i don't have to care anymore (laughs) like i can be whoever i want to be like i think we're gonna see more of that i i I, i'm not gonna lie like maybe my frustration maybe my frustration lies in the fact that like i see i have so this is what is it it's uh you know ignorance is bliss right before I got into the fishing industry and I knew some of these dudes and I knew their true personalities and I knew how fun they were. And it's like, they're fun and they're awesome to be around and they crack jokes and it's, you know, they drink beer, they smoke cigars with you around a fire. Like they'll, they'll be real with you. And it's like, and then I, I bring them onto a podcast or you get them out into the public and it's like, hmm, I, gotta, you know, I gotta do this certain thing. And I'm over here just doing whatever I want to do. I'm just like, yeah, whatever I want to do. It's like, I can fart, I can burp, I can say shit. Like, it doesn't matter because it's me and I've built this and this is what this is and you can't take this away from me. Whereas they can. And maybe it's like almost discouraging even more so because I do see these dudes who are really fun individuals who can't be themselves because they're boxed into this little weird 
can't smoke cigarettes because some cigarettes of it is the weird audience that we have as social media uh influencers right they don't have that as professionals unless they have a social media platform like they're held to different standards i think even still fcc standards yeah hmm. interesting they're be- governed by the federal communications uh committee or whatever it's the fcc stands for like dude our analytics that we submit to brands for partnership agreements every year mine doesn't include any tv time i sure know that like, <laughs> We're held to, we we get to be more of our true selves, even though we represent brands and, you know, like we don't want people to have to earmuff it every time we talk. Like, you know, our boat, my boat ramp link language is a little more foul than I've used tonight, but like truly like those guys, they, they have, oh, I feel bad for them to a point. Like, I'm happy individual being an, being a content creator and an, as an influencer, some of those guys have to be stressed, like miserable yeah. to they have to be miserable. They have to be too. They have to be a completely different version of themselves. Basically every day. Mm-hmm. Got to turn the character on. They got to truly turn the character on. Like that's truly the character. It was not even doing. a character. It's like just, the most strict version of yourself all the time. It's like a politician. It's like a politician that gets up there and it's just like, you almost, here, here's what it is. I can look at a politician and you tell me whether they're a Democrat or Republican. And I can almost guarantee you what they're going to say when they're, when they're asked a question, you give me a set of professional anglers and I can almost guarantee you exactly what they're Mm -hmm. going to say because it's the same generic bull crap every single time. And it gets so annoying to the point where you just want to scream like the commentating even on like when, when Bassmaster's on, it gets to the point where I'm just like, shut up. Like it is so generic and just like, I know what you're going to say. And then they'll say stupid shit too. Like, well, I tell you what, Tommy, you know, the what the the point here today is 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 one of these guys is going to have to catch bigger fish than somebody else is. <laughs> it's the truth. That's all there's left to say. Yes. Because yeah. Because it's the same broadcast after broadcast after broadcast because they're held to these strict standards of being watered down. Crazy. All right. One thing before we go because. This has been this has been real. I mean, we're two hours into this thing. It's the longest one in a while, Joe. You we got to do this again. Yeah, bro. dude, we do. Like you're 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 coming on a lot from now on because, dude, you're a real one. Like I like this. I like this a whole lot, especially to stick with me for two hours. Did you know oh, who was that dude who used to fish the Bassmaster who had like the earrings and the long hair and tattoos? Jason Quinn. Jason Quinn. Did you know that he sued Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders used a video of him running down the lake as a depiction of a drug cartel? You know, I think I vaguely heard, not that it was saying, I don't, I did not know it was Quinn, but I knew somebody sued Bernie Sanders for taking a, uh, 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 yeah, a, a helicopter video and and using that yeah. inappropriately. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I just I just come to my mind when we were thinking about all this because that guy stood out. That's funny. Of all yeah. my memories of like professional fishing, there's like two or three things that stand out. That dude, I didn't even know his name, but it was that dude just because of counterculture. The first time mm-hmm. I saw Mike Iaconelli scream at a fish, that was like that was crazy. And then this is a weird one. And I, I've told Hunter this to his face. The first time I saw Hunter Shyrock, cause he had a flat bill on and looked like a, 
like a like a motocross dude and was like not just yeah. a fat 40-year-old white guy on the front of a boat. Those are like the three distinct things I remember in fishing that I was like, huh, okay. You know, that's like, that's different. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny too. Like the, the thing that sticks in my mind is like how everybody seems like size when you see them on tv mm. you know like mm. i didn't realize kvd is not six foot three you know <laughs> yeah. like yeah i did because he looks larger than life on television mm. i didn't realize polemic's actually five foot three you know <laughs> like because he seems a lot bigger than that like it's weird like everybody in fishing like dude you know fighters like not that tall like you think everybody when you see them on the front deck on live is like an is like average size. Like everybody's five, everybody looks five ten yeah. except for like Bobby Lane, yeah. you know, like, and, but like, dude, it, like they come in all shapes and sizes, man. <laughs> like it. that's what sticks in my head. Hey, listen, I still will say Jimmy Houston, even though he is not 10 foot tall, that man walks around 10 foot tall. So I'm just putting that out there. Being on the boat with him for the first time, I, I literally was intimidated. So I got to put that out there. <laughs> Dude, his manhood enters a room about 10 feet before him. No so. joke. Right? A swinging yeah. son. All right. He wouldn't yeah. say that about himself, but I love Jimmy and I'll say it for him. So, yeah. Yep. Well, boys, for real. Hey, like, Joe, you've been real, dude. Like, this is awesome. Thank you for sticking with us for two hours. Ben, I always love your, uh, you always have the most elegant input. Like, you don't say much, but when you do, it's always, it's always good. So, I'm glad you were Yeah, it's here. always better when I'm just in the background and just can, like, occasionally input stuff because otherwise i get on weird stuff so yeah you do you'll this say so much better you'll say something weird and i just got to get on you and then we'll go down a <laughs> rabbit hole we don't need to go down but yeah hey everybody that uh listen to podcasts thank you everybody that's here in the live stream thank you as well i i appreciate all of the commentary i'm glad you guys can have conversations over there by yourself because i get so wrapped up in my own head over here that i don't even read the comments barely but you guys seem to have had fun tonight so yeah as always you guys are sweet and we will see you next week.